Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to the Realist Podcast in the Dunya, the three Muslims. 11 different things happen at once. I had to get a towel from my mom. My alarm clock went off. I came back, pressed the wrong button. All as we went live. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> but with that being said, how are you guys doing today? Alhamdulillah, bro. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Oh, no, bro. I don't know if it's just me, but like your audio's a little low today. Audio. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I think it's think it's good. No, it's good. Alhamdulillah, bro. I was gonna say that, uh, Anhel, you look a little a little excited today, man. Yeah. What's the uh, what's got you so excited, bro? <laughs> man, just looking at these two beautiful brothers here, bro. Bro, Rami's literally like, Anhel, you look really excited. Anhel's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love my body, bro. Yo, I'm ex- I'm excited, bro. Low key, just like on hell for what's about to go down next week. A lot of the viewers might not know, you know. Yeah, so inshallah, next week, Wednesday, I will be touching down in Canada. I will be seeing these two beautiful brothers in person. Alhamdulillah, and we are going to get this studio finally set up. So it's been a long time coming. What is it? Like a little over a year now since we started the uh the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we got this um we got the studio coming. And yeah, we first, plan to go back to our roots. You got you gotta tell them when the first episode drops, bro. When does the first episode July first? Easy date to remember for everyone. All right, so we're gonna hype it up. Friday, July 1st. I was thinking of it to be like a nice, even, like, round number, you know? Not an even number, but a round number, like, July 1st or July 15th or just the first of any month. And then I knew, I was like, okay, we only drop podcasts on Friday, so that was going to be tough. So I look in the calendar, and subhanAllah, July 1st is a Friday. So it just works out anyway. So the first podcast will drop July 1st. For the people watching, y'all will be... Uh, basically insiders here. So, I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of people that don't watch this, that don't get to this part. So, the uh, insider scoop is that we are going to be recording a lot of videos. But, like, I'm talking about a lot of videos to basically provide content for months because we... All of us have certain things that we're about to embark on, so we won't, we actually won't have the time nor the uh, ability to get together like this um, in the studio in person again for at least another year, inshallah, maybe even less. Um, but for the meantime, we wanted to make the most out of this time together to be able to provide this for you guys. And, you know, every now and then we'll, we'll throw in the uh, the random episodes while we are separated but eh, just so y'all know mm. whoever's watching now uh, y'all y'all get the inside screen yeah like these virtual live streams bro they're still gonna get it every now and then occasionally you know if need be but we're really trying to switch to in-person professional studio podcast so we're trying to bulk film and inshallah keep you guys occupied for the next few months inshallah, inshallah. does anyone have any questions from the viewers before we go right into the main topic of today's video you guys already see the title Mm-hmm. We're going to be analyzing the Sheikh Hamza Yusuf and Dr. Jordan B. Peterson podcast as the three laymen, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. 
in the while they while they ask whatever they need to ask, inshallah. None of this could really be said without the thanks um, to you guys and the support that you gave for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to help put the studio together, subhanAllah. When Faya told me how much you guys raised for it, I was flabbergasted, subhanAllah. And I, I don't know, it, it shocked me in a good way, alhamdulillah. So I'm very grateful to you guys. I know the other brothers are as well. Uh, may Allah make it very fruitful. And honestly, this next chapter for the three Muslims and for the podcast and for all of you guys watching as well, is going to be phenomenal, inshallah. I mean, yo, Rami, why don't you tell him what I texted you last night? The the thing I told you that's unfathomable to me. I have to go back in my messages, man. <laughs> oh, my guy, come on. You texted me a lot last night, bro. <laughs> I did, I did. Let's we, be fair. We had a, we had a long conversation. Leave, out, leave out the pictures, bro. Don't tell him about the pictures or anything like that. Yeah, no pictures. No, there actually are pictures. That's the funny part. <laughs> Aside from the pictures, bro. Okay, basically, guys, I don't want to take too long. But I, I messaged Rami last night. I was just like, bro, never in my life did I imagine we would ever get this far. Yeah. Yeah, it's final lot. All right, first question before we begin. Slightly irrelevant, but uh, everyone wants the tea. You guys can feel free to not answer. Sister Saleh asks, are you both getting married in Canada? Uh... That could be read so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. That could be read so many ways. How about how about how about this? And let's let's move on. I yeah. Prefer, I prefer I, not to answer. I prefer not to answer. It's not it's not it's not a personal okay. thing, it's just you know, like keeping things confidential is always much yeah. better. I wanna keep At the details. It's it's, it's your private life, bro. Private life is called a private life for a reason now. Come on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get that first clip in. Well, may I love bless you. Or even thinking about that, thinking about asking that. People, people think if if uh, you're coming all the way to Canada, there has to be an incentive, bro. There has to be a motive. There is, bro. Seeing there these is. two beautiful brothers here there and then doing the studio. Come on now. There we go. All right. Without further ado, let's go right in. Trying to figure out how to be a Jew and a Christian and a Muslim at the same time. But become Muslim. That's the best way because. The beauty of Islam is you get the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Last Testament. I mean, that really is, for me, even the Jews acknowledge this, because Islam, in many ways, is a universalized Judaism. It's Judaism for the Gentiles. Very often, Christians marvel at how Jews miss Jesus. Uh, Muslims also marvel at how Christians and Jews miss Muhammad. Although, to be fair to the Jews, they do acknowledge the Prophet uh, as a providential force. And, and they do acknowledge him as a, a Noahidic messenger preparing the way for the, the coming of the Messiah. And certainly the great um, father of Orientalism, uh, Ignaz Golzeher, he actually said that he felt that Islam was the only religion that somebody of a philosophical bent could actually accept. Man. That was beautifully said. That was really well worded, mashallah. And I love the answer. Mm -hmm. um, subhanAllah. Uh, I, I want to comment on something that Jordan Peterson kind of alluded to in his question, you know, or his statement more so. He's like, I want to, I'm trying to figure out how to be a Jew and a Christian and a Muslim all at the same time. Mm -hmm. People have this really like universalist understanding of religion. Like, you know, why pick one? Why not try and be all? Um, and it seems like a really 
you know, kind-hearted and beautiful thing. Like, you know, you're all encompassing and you're all welcoming and so on and so forth. But when you really boil it down and kind of try something like that, you're going to have contradictions between Judaism and Christianity, Christianity and Islam, Islam and Judaism, even though there's very few between the two, <clears throat> the con contradictions, I mean, between Islam and Judaism. You're going to find contradictions. And at the end of the day, when you look at Islam, just as the brother mentioned, it's a full encompassed religion that actually embodies parts of Christianity and Judaism. What it leaves out is the, the falsehood from the Islamic perspective. Islam literally mentions people who wrote the scripture with the book, or sorry, they, they wrote the scripture with their hand, claiming it's the book of God and so on and so forth, and changed it over time. So if you were to accept Islam, you would have basically the final message. And the goal should not be, as far, my personal humble opinion, the goal should not be to try and figure everything out and, and bring everything into one. It should just be to find the truth, especially when you're dealing with religion from God. Because what if God doesn't want you to be a, a, a Christian Jew Muslim? What if he doesn't want that? What if he just wants you to be a Muslim at the end of the day? And there's a way to verify that. There's ways to really argue or prove what is true and what is false. Different ways, actually, that uh, you know you can get into, inshallah. But at the end of the day, being all three, three in one, is actually more Christian than anything, if you think about it. Hmm. Man, I still can't get over uh, how much of a sheikh Anha looks like in his recent thumbnail, bro. I can't be the only one, guys. Head over to his channel and check that thumbnail and then comment right now if he looks like a sheikh, bro. But we're trying to keep it relevant, too. Rami has no idea what we're talking about. <clears throat> I don't, um, bro. I'm just, um... Mm -hmm. What does Gentiles mean? Non-Jew. A non-Jew. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Is it kind of like how we say kufar? Not exactly, because for them, it's based on ethnicity. Mm, and for us, it's more like... Uh, what they believe. In. Yeah, what you believe. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's beautiful, though, to see that Jordan Peterson is actually, you know, like, delving into this. Yeah. Because at first, mm -hmm. like, he first started with, you know, and... It's it's forgivable because he didn't have the uh, information or the knowledge about it. So he was talking about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as if you know, like this warlord and this conqueror and all this stuff. And that's understandable, you know. Like if if you're just reading on him from a non-religious standpoint of view and you're driving these conclusions from all this stuff, but it's like he even said it in that video where he's like, "I don't know." but I want to know, like, maybe I'm ignorant of this. And it's beautiful to see that he's, he actually has an open mind to it and that he's actually delving deeper into it. And the deeper he goes, dog, like the more answers he's getting. And what's even more beautiful about that is that there's a lot of people that look up to Jordan Peterson. Mm. There's a lot of people that really value his point of view. Yeah. I agree, guys. May Allah guide Jordan Peterson to Islam, guys. Make sure you write Amin in the comments down below. But we got the next clip, inshallah, if that's all from you guys. So I want to know what it, following the Islamic faith has done for your life personally. How, how has it helped you put yourself together? And also, I'm interested in, again, 
why you found the Islamic tradition preferable, let's say, to the Orthodox tradition that you did you did enjoy the rituals that were part of that at least. So let's deal with practical issues first. So, you, well, you just... I, yeah. Um, in terms of of uh, of why I chose Islam, I mean, I'm not completely convinced that I chose Islam. I mean, in some ways, Islam chose me as well. Um, so it's, you know, guidance is a very strange thing for people. Like I saw an inevitability. When I look back on what happened, I saw an inevitability uh, of, of my uh, embracing Islam. I had some very interesting experiences that um, could be termed mystical or however uh, you want to determine them. But uh, the, the tradition itself, what, what struck me was one, I got to keep all of the prophets that I, I believed in already. And I added in addition, uh, what we consider to be the, the final prophet. And just as very often Christians marvel at how Jews miss Jesus, uh, Muslims also marvel at how Christians and Jews miss Muhammad. Although to be fair to the Jews, they do acknowledge the prophet uh, as a providential force. And, and they do acknowledge him as a, a Noahidic messenger preparing the way for the, the coming of the Messiah. So they do recognize that he was a providential force, at least the great, um, if you read George Kohler's book on Jewish theology as a chapter on Judaism and Islam, and certainly the great um, father of Orientalism, uh, Ignaz Golzeher, he actually said that he felt that Islam was the only religion that somebody of a philosophical bent could actually accept. And he wanted to, to, to really bring in the gift of philosophy into Judaism that had been, uh, that the Muslims uh, had uh, so richly participated in. In fact, you know, there's an argument that just as Judaism prepared the way uh, for Christianity, it was Islam that prepared the way for uh, for a philosophical Western Christendom, because if you look at the transmission of all of that knowledge that comes into Europe, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas, who's 13th century, he dies in 1274, and yet he's the doctor of the church. Just look at the number of times he quotes Muslims. I mean, he calls Averroes the commentator. So I think uh, Islam... And, you know, one of the beauties of the religion to me is that you'll find whatever you're looking for in it. I mean, Islam, you, you, it has a, a very simple theology that anybody can understand in Surah Al-Ikhlas, the, the chapter that says, say God is, is unique, uh, God is completely independent, God neither gives birth nor was God born, and there's nothing like God. So it, it gives you a very simple uh, theology that anybody can understand. And yet embedded mm. in that simplicity is an extraordinary complexity that actually created a metaphysical tradition that Western scholars have spent their lifetime studying people like Henri Corvine or, or somebody it's, it's like, uh, Maxine Rodinson, uh, not Maxine Rodinson, but, uh, uh, the great, uh, Catholic, uh, theologian and, and uh, metaphysician Jacques Maritain, you know, recognize the genius of people like Al-Hallaj and things. So within the Islamic tradition, there's just an extraordinary spectrum. You can spend your entire life and have a satisfying life. And I know people that have done this, just mastering the recensions of the Quran and the Qira'at, the, the actual uh, uh, oral 
expression of the Quran through the, the rules of Tajweed. Um, you, you can spend your life studying exegesis. You can spend your life studying prophetic tradition. You can spend your life studying the great mystics of Islam. We have the best poets in the world. We also have the best architecture. I mean, there's nothing like the Taj Mahal or the Alhambra Palace. And even Western architecture, if you read uh, Stealing from the Saracens, she shows how some of the finest Western architecture was basically taken from the Islamic civilization, including Notre Dame in, in Paris. So you can find incredible, I know people that just uh, came to Islam through music. I mean, I know some really uh, professional musicians that fell in love with Arabic music, which led them into uh, Muslim culture, uh, people that um, love just, I mean, one of the most interesting things about Islam is it is a truly universal religion in that you can go from Indonesia to California and find all of these different expressions of the same central truths of Islam with their own local colorings. So the West African Muslims are not like the Middle Eastern Muslims. The Middle Eastern Muslims are not like the Indian Muslims. And you have people like, uh, you know, one of the great um, impressionist painters of, uh, of uh, Sweden. I think he's actually considered a national treasure in, in Sweden, <laughs> but uh, his, his paintings hang in the museum there. He became Muslim uh, in, in jail in, uh, in um, for, for actually, he, he shot a, a matador because he was raised by his father was a veterinarian and he shot a matador um, because he was so horrified that they were bringing bullfighting into France. And there was such an uproar that they actually released him. Uh, but when he was in jail, he befriended an Algerian who uh, used to recite Quran all the time. And he ended up becoming Muslim and, uh, and then studying in Egypt and then going back to... Uh, to his uh, native land. He died in Spain, uh, but extraordinary individual. So you have people like that. You have people that anybody can find what they're looking for. And, and that is the power of the faith, I think, is that it is truly a universal faith. And I think one of the things that Western people tend to do, one, they don't recognize that it's a Western faith because it is, mm. it's part of the Abrahamic faith. Uh, it, it was in Spain for centuries. It's been in Eastern Europe for centuries. Um, and even Istanbul, which is the great capital of Islam for centuries, is half in Europe and half in, 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 in the East. And that's why it really bridges these two worlds. And so there's so much. I mean, well, why did part all of the reason why I think it makes sense for. Man, I got to watch this whole thing, bro. Like, people have been talking about it. I've been putting it off, but then just seeing this little mm -hmm. clip here is like, damn, bro, I really want to watch this. Yeah. And like two things that I want to say, um, what he was saying were like, he didn't choose Islam. Islam chose him. Like, I, listen, I, I got to be, I feel like a broken record saying this, but like, I feel like that's, that's been my story since the beginning. Like, bro, like I was... I was sitting in a room on a dopamine detox feeling this pool to read the Quran. And then once I started reading it, I felt these waves in my body. It's like, that can only be explained as like some kind of mystical, mystic type experience. But it's like, bro, like that was me being chosen. I, I didn't choose. I didn't choose. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it was weird. It was, bro, it was so weird. And then on top of the thing where he said the the whole topic about music and how, like, some Arabic music brought people to Islam because it, it exposed them to, like, you know, the Muslim culture. And then they started going deep into that and then they got into Islam. Now, of course, we don't really listen to music. But before Islam, before when I used to listen to music all the time, I always felt myself, like, gravitating towards like Arabic style tracks where they have that like that like flu or like the the drum or something like that where it sounds like oh it's like some kind of like desert type track like bro I would mm. I would listen to this stuff and I would literally put it in like the background and just listen to that all the time because it's like there was something about it that always drew me close to it I mean dude like even when I was a kid for some reason like I felt most drawn to the movie Aladdin Hmm. I don't know, bro. Like it, it's it's weird. Like when you start looking back and you start connecting the dots, it's it's bro, it's, it's insane. That's all I gotta say. No, subhanallah, subhanallah. It's amazing how many people have such beautiful stories about how they came to Islam, and they're all specific, right? Like your story, mashallah, is so specific. Maliki Click's story was so specific, subhanallah. I'm sure Sheikh uh, Sheikh. Um, Hamza Yusuf is his name, right? Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. Mm-hmm. Sure, his story is very specific as well. <clears throat> Subhanallah. And um, I, I, I have to ask, because this has kind of been bothering me a little bit. What did Jordan Peterson ask initially? Was it about how he came to Islam or how what Islam has done for him practically? So for the first clip, the one where he talked about become Muslim, it was how do I become a Jew, Christian, and Muslim at the same time. But the one we just reacted to, this is the second clip out of the three we have. He asked, what has Islam done for you specifically? I see, I see, mashallah. Okay. And then, mashallah, you went on a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I wanted to, I don't feel like enough people talk about the practicality of Islam. So, I just want to quickly jump into it a little bit hmm. to the best of my ability. You know, I'm not a sheikh, I'm not a scholar, but Islamically yeah. speaking, it's the most, like, practicality is, is I don't want to say half the religion, right? But it's, if you look at how we live, it's, it's, it's everything. Islam encompasses everything, practically speaking, right? Even things like if you don't know, Go to those who know. It's something that Allah tells us in the Quran, meaning that you go to those of knowledge, go to the doctors, go to specialists, go to professionals, go to the scholars and ask whatever you need to know. But if you look deeper and deeper and deeper, everything a Muslim does, they're supposed to ask, you know, basically, am I permitted to do this? Is this halal? Is this permissible? You know, if you want to engage in a new business, well, you have to look at if this business is something that Allah allows Islamically. So when you look at that practicality, some people, they see like a chain and handcuffs and like a jail cell, like you can't do anything. But if you look at the number of things that are haram versus the number of things that are halal, you find that there's actually significantly more things you're allowed to do than not allowed to do. The problem is we live in a society that's so incumbent on getting you to indulge in, you know, promiscuity and interest and all these things that are haram because you can see the damages of them. So Islam is the most practical religion in the world. Because we have an entire science, Islamic science, dedicated to the scholars determining what we're allowed to do, what we're encouraged to do, what we shouldn't do, what we have to do, and what is discouraged in Islam. And so it's the most mm. practical thing. Bro, that blows my mind. But not only are there, you know, basically more things that are halal than more things that are haram. Why don't you tell them how many more ways there are to get good deeds versus how little ways there are to get sins? Yes, yeah, subhanAllah. I'm glad you asked. So with these, with this practical side of Islam, 
you know, you when you really break it down into a chart, you have kind of, I think, five categories. You have what's obligatory, things you need to do as a Muslim. You have encouraged, things that are recommended. You have halal, meaning it's permissible, you're allowed to do it. You have discouraged, meaning that you probably shouldn't do it, it's, or it's disliked. And then you have haram, which is prohibited. You're not allowed to do it. If you look at the first two categories, obligatory and recommended, if you do them, you get a good deed, right? You get a good deed. So that's two down, you get good deeds. If you don't do something obligatory, you're sinful, right? If you don't do something recommended, nothing happens. It's just, if you want to do it, you'll get a good deed, right? If you, if you look at something that's disliked on the opposite end, people would think, if I do something that's disliked, I'll get a sin. That's not true. It's, Allah is so merciful. God is so merciful. If you do something disliked, you're not sinful. But if you avoid doing it, if you say, you know, it's disliked, it's disliked, I'm going to stay away, you get a good deed. So now that's three ways to get a good deed. If you look at a sin, right? You look at a sin. If you do the sin, you're sinful, right? That's why it's a mm -hmm. sin. If you avoid doing it, like what's disliked, right? If you avoid doing it, you get a good deed. So you have four ways to get good deeds and only two ways to get a sin. And with those two ways to get a sin, if you avoid doing it, you get good deeds. So on top of this practicality with things that, you know, we, we know how to live life basically perfectly mm. with guidance from God as a Muslim. On top of that, God makes it so much easier for us to kind of get the, these rewards in bulk, more rewards mm -hmm. than sins. And that's just a beautiful mercy of God. SubhanAllah, bro. And I don't know how authentic this is, but I read somewhere that if you do a good deed or if you think you have the niyyah, you want to do a good deed, you get one hasana, one reward. And then if you actually do it, you get 10. And then if you think about doing a sin, you get no sin. Mm -hmm. But if you do it, you get one. Yeah. yeah. Tell me how merciful that is, bro. That's like a 10 to 1 ratio. Yeah, subhanAllah. And on top of that, Allah says in the Quran that if someone you know commits sins and then repents sincerely, Allah may actually turn their bad deeds into good deeds. Because Allah, as he says in the Quran, Allah intends for them ease. Allah intends for them basically goodness. Allah doesn't want to misguide someone. Allah doesn't want to punish necessarily. Allah doesn't you know, will for us to have a horrible life and a horrible afterlife. Allah wills for us good. Allah wills for us guidance. And the one thing that if you ask Allah for, He'll always give it to you is guidance. Keep us on the straight path. So you see how obviously not just practical Islam is, but how comforting spiritually Islam is. And that's something else that if you want to put that in the realm of something that's practical, because it makes you, you know, more content, it makes you happier, which would make you more capable in your life, more confident in your life, more whatever in your life. And me personally, I find that a lot, to be honest. It's, I don't know about you guys, but Islam has made me more, more confident as a person. Because I'm not confident that I'm great, I'm amazing, I'm so knowledgeable, I'm so... I'm confident that what I have is truth from Allah and I'm blessed mm. I'm more so grateful actually I think that's the term grateful mm. and there's last thing I'm going to say because I know I've been talking a lot you know how I think I mentioned this before but you, you guys know how you know sometimes someone looks at you they're like oh you can't do that and you get mad and then you really want to do it right that's a big motivator for you that anger is a motivator apparently the the best mo uh, motivator when you're talking about feelings and emotions is actually gratitude gratitude is what motivates someone to work the most. And I've witnessed it, you know, at the job I'm working out, alhamdulillah, I'm very grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to, my, to the brothers um, that I work with. It makes me want to work more. 
So when a person is grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it actually makes him want to work more. And that's why you see, you know, this beautiful character in a lot of the Muslims out there. I'm not talking about myself, obviously, but, you know, you look <laughs> at the Muslims out there, you see they have such this beautiful character, this beautiful aura to them, this confidence to them. And, you know, it's probably not from them. It's probably just from them being grateful that they have Islam and that they're guided from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, no, I agree, bro. Couldn't say better. We got one uh, comment from a member, Sister Saleh, again. Yep, also, if you do a sin, the angels hold their pen. It's not written straight away. You have a time frame to ask for forgiveness and repent, subhanAllah. Yeah, and even if you miss that time frame, you can still repent afterwards. It's never too late. <laughs> All right, last clip, and then we'll wrap it up, inshallah. Religious people, Christians, Jews, and Islamic alike to focus on their commonalities in the face of the things that are disintegrating our cultures. We could start by trying to make some peace between us if we're going to consort ourselves reasonably as religious individuals. Right. And I commend you for trying to, to do some bridge building because, you know, arguably um, there, there's been so much negativity around this faith and around its adherence that there's an almost instantaneous um, association with the most negative aspects of humanity with the religion. And, and it's, it's quite tragic. And so just as an exercise, a kind of bracketing for a second and try to, try to think about things, uh, a, a mentor of mine and a friend of mine, Dr. Thomas Cleary wrote a book called Zen Koans. He also translated the Quran. He's one of the brilliant translators of, the, of, uh, of our lifetime. But he wrote a book called Zen Koans. And in the introduction of that book, he actually says that the purpose of a koan is to snap people out of, of, of sloppy thinking. I think I read thinking. that book. Yeah. But he says in there, but you don't need a koan to do that. Just ask an educated Western person what they think about Islam. And they'll start expressing all of these prejudices. And if you ask them, have you ever read the Quran? No. Do you know anything about the Prophet Muhammad? <laughs> no. Uh, other than maybe something they read in a... Uh, a newspaper article or in Time or Newsweek or the Atlantic Monthly, something yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, it's not it's not an easy thing to try to get a toehold in a different tradition, especially it's when not you that don't hard. even have a toehold in your own. Yeah, I, it's not that hard, especially for an educated person. You're, you're obviously a highly educated person. It's not that hard. Islam, one of the things Gibbon said is that Islam spread because it's it was a very easy religion to understand. So this idea that I can't understand it, I can't, I'm having a hard time. It's not that hard to understand. I mean, Islam well, is actually a very straightforward. Okay, then give me a give me a five minute summary of the core beliefs. I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I, I, it's not a question. No, no, that, it's, not, it's not. That's not hard at all. So, that, that, so lay lay it out. That would be very so, helpful. So we have a famous hadith in which. Uh, we're, we're told that the, the angel Gabriel came in the form of a man and asked the prophet, tell me about faith. And, and the prophet Muhammad said, faith is to believe that there's only one God and that Muhammad, which includes all the previous messengers, is a messenger of God to believe in angels, to believe in the books that God has revealed, to believe in the last day, the day of judgment, and to believe in the uh, measuring out of good and evil that good and evil is part of life. And then he said, and he said, Islam is that you uh, make the testimony of faith, that you pray five times a day, 
that you fast Ramadan, that you pay zakat, uh, the 2.5% of your standing wealth at the end, not your income tax, but your standing wealth at the end of a year, that's a whole year, 2.140th is given to poor people. There's eight categories that are given in the Quran. And that you, if you're able to, you make a pilgrimage once in your lifetime to Mecca. And then he said, tell me about Ihsan, uh, which is the third dimension of Islam. And he said, and this is the dimension of virtuous being, like being a person of arity, of excellence in the world. And he said, Ihsan is to worship God as if you see God. And if, you, and if you don't see him, at least you know that he sees you. So you have an awareness uh, of that, 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 you're, that there is a, a divine presence and you should be in a state of awareness in your behavior. I mean, one of the things about, you know, if you're driving and everybody's speeding and then somebody sees a cop, they all suddenly slow down. You know, I have a friend once who just zoomed past the cop when everybody slowed down and he pulled him over. And he said, why didn't you slow down? He said, I felt like a hypocrite. <laughs> so the guy gave, he let him go. But, you know, that's people when they're in the presence of authority, they tend to behave well, unless they're an utter rebel. I mean, there are those people. I'm trying to figure out how to be a Jew and a Christian and a Muslim at the same time. But become Muslim. That's the best way, because... The beauty of Islam is you get the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Last Testament. I mean, that really is, for me, even the Jews acknowledge this, because Islam, in many ways, is a universalized Judaism. It's Judaism for the Gentiles. Um, we we have the mikvah, you know, they do ghusl, we have ghusl, I mean, you know, which is the ritual uh, the, the baptism, a total immersion in water ritually to, to purify yourself, which is done at least once a week. Man, subhanAllah. I never thought of that, bro. Ghusl as, as like a link to baptism. I know it's comparing apples to oranges, bro, but mm -hmm. in a way of purifying yourself. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, uh, <clears throat> I think you did a really good job of, of summarizing Islam because we do have a hadith that summarizes it. It's very beautiful. Uh, one more time I want to emphasize, I feel like, I mean, even from a kind of salesman perspective and we're not salesmen we're not trying to sell anything right we're not actually muslims if you look at it the way the quran talks about selling is when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions that people sold their afterlife for a small benefit in this world like pennies and they sold eternity and bliss when they you know lie about scripture for a prophet like you make up a verse saying you know give rami 20 bucks every time he says a few words to you, you know what i mean like it's like, okay, 20 bucks, I might be a millionaire, whatever, but then I lose everything after life, right? <clears throat> That's what Allah talks about selling. But when you look at trying to convince people, you have to show them, if they don't understand already, the problems that they have, and then give them a solution to their problems, right? People love that. Everyone loves that. People don't like problems. People love solutions. That's why every product that does well exists, because it solves some kind of problem. So Islam is not a product, right? Islam is the truth from God. But still, we are human beings. So we're going to have that aspect of needing that solution. So when you show people how honestly miserable they are, everyone without Islam at some point in their life is going, is going to realize how absolutely miserable they are. Whether it's when they go and they see a guy in a white lab coat telling him that he's going to die soon, or they lose a girlfriend or they lose a boyfriend or they, you know, 
their business fails, or they're going to find at some point in their life they are absolutely miserable and they cannot pinpoint why. Islam offers that solution 100%. But what Islam also offers, and something that's overlooked a lot, <clears throat> is this beautiful way, physically, literally, to live your life. I'm not just talking about connecting with God. That's, that's one of the most beautiful things. But I'm not talking about it because it's highlighted a lot. What I want to focus on is what Ja'far, what, uh, what uh, Ja'far ibn, uh, uh, ibn Talib said. He said when the Najashi, I think the king of Abyssinia, asked him, what is Islam? What are you talking about? What are you bringing? He didn't you know, just mention, he didn't just mention worshiping God and all that. He gave practical answers. He said, we were a people that were basically filthy. We used to take advantage of the poor, right? We used to basically eat dead flesh. We used to gamble. We used to worship idols. We used to do all these abominations, basically. We were in basically a filthy state. And Islam came and it wiped all of that away. It cleansed us of that. It taught us basically, be good to the poor. Take care of the orphans. So on and so forth. All these beautiful practical things. And that's a huge part of Islam. Yeah. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> My bad, bro. I was changing the comment thing to subscribers. Oh, no worries. Oh, it's on members only? It was on members only, yeah. You know how we do at the end of the thing. Yeah. We got a new member. Shout out to Guji Gang. Who writes to add to the mercy if you intend on doing a sin and then stop yourself, you get a good deed, Hasana, as well. Yes, yeah, subhanallah. Allah, yeah, mashallah. Allah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. We should invite Jordan Peterson on the podcast. Inshallah, bro. I think I think when we get some in-person podcasts through, inshallah we'll make it happen. Inshallah. That'd be sick, bro. Imagine having Jordan Peterson in person, man. <laughs> oh, should we should we give him a little little scrap bro a little snippet of who our first in-person guest is going to be i don't know what do you think, ah, think? We, i think we should leave it a surprise yeah. okay that should be a surprise cool we'll keep that a surprise then, inshallah. inshallah okay but on her 126 viewers bro how many likes should we have 300 300 bro if we don't have 300 likes that's it bro all right bismillah first question Pogboy69, what do you do when a close friend deeply offends you? Tell them. Yeah. You you have to express yourself. Honesty is the best policy. But yeah. it's how you express yourself. Exactly. Matters. Very important. Yeah. Just something simple. Like, let's say they say something that's supposed to be a joke or whatever. Just say, listen, I understand you're joking. I understand you don't mean it, but that actually offends me. So let's not talk about that. Don't make jokes like that. I'd appreciate that. That's it. It doesn't have to be, you know, you flipping off the rails and cussing at him or something crazy like that. Yeah. There's no reason to be tyrannical or domineering or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't stop, don't be friends with him. Sure. Yeah. Walk away. Simple as that. Simple as that. Another question we got, it's not in the YouTube comments, but we get this DM a little more frequently now, alhamdulillah, recently. But, uh, basically says uh people asking if if we know a good spanish translation to the quran i know Anha's already answered that but on why don't you answer it again for anyone that's watching now and they're curious oh uh, well i don't know per se but my best assumption would be the clear quran in spanish 
Mashallah. It's something Sheikh Hamza taught me a few years ago is understanding your mortality. Once you understand how close we are to death, I found I saw Islam in a much more deeper way. Subhanallah. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Waalaikumsalam. Okay, next question, GS, right? So what books do you recommend, Akhis? You know, actually, I've seen this one video. Actually, I didn't see it, but I saw the thumbnail on Muhammad Ijab. Yeah. It was it was a question like, oh, what book should I read? And he's like, this isn't a question that you should ask. And I, I kind of explained like my whole understanding behind this before even watching the video because I'm, I'm ignorant to what he said. Probably said some gems. But from what I understand is that when you ask, like, oh, what book recommendation do you have? Um, you're probably not going to read those books. You know, mm. it's like it's like if, you, if you're looking for the answers, you will seek more versus just asking and expecting someone to just give you the answer to you. Mm. Right? Mm. Like, let's say you're trying to be, um, let's say you're trying to have a successful YouTube channel. And then you go, you just go to a successful YouTuber and you're like, hey, like, what do you recommend to make my YouTube channel as successful as possible? It's like, yeah, you'll get some good information, but you probably would have got the same, if not more information, if you would have just done the research yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And you'd probably understand it on a deeper level as well, because you're looking into it yourself. Because we need tie, we need tie kind of practicality with concepts and stuff. When you tie different concepts that you're learning yourself and venturing off together, it, it does bring a deeper understanding to it. What I would say is just kind of from my own perspective, that's the wrong question because it's not specific enough, right? What question should I read, read? What are you trying to learn? If you're trying to learn about fiqh, okay, there are books on fiqh. Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, wrote a book, on, a book on fiqh. You can read that. One of the, one of the, the greatest books. If you want to read Sirah, there's many books on Sirah. Um, but this is the thing. I don't recommend people just read books, especially if you're like like us. You're just laymen. Don't just read books because there's a lot of things in there, especially when it's translated. You're going to read. You're not really going to understand conceptually. Learn Islam, especially in the science of Islam, under a teacher. Someone who's learned it. And they might actually, this is the thing. Teachers, learned, knowledgeable teachers, and sometimes scholars as well. Actually, most of the time scholars will teach you based off a book. They'll teach you based off a book from another teacher or from one of the uh, greater scholars in the past, like um, Imam Shafi, rahimallah, for example, or Imam Nawawi, rahimallah. They will teach teachers who know, will teach based off these books. So for you mm-hmm. to go read it yourself, just be careful. Yeah. And we're not saying that we're not trying to put you down or make you feel some type of way for asking that question. But instead of asking this question, why not ask yourself, like, okay, why or what what am i actually you know like rami said what am i actually trying to get into what books or what concepts what ideas am i trying to get into mm-hmm. and then why like why like what's my intention behind this and then from there like once you have those answers and you have your niya straight then find better ways instead of just asking for recommendations yo Anna, bro, i got a question for you how do you get a deeper voice well for the most part, if you want like a super deep voice, it's genetic. But if you want to bring your voice to its natural depth, then you just got to learn to 
be, I guess, chilled out. And then the most simplest sense, I might even make a, a remake of the video that I made a long time ago and just to, like, really sim, like, dumb it down. Because it's like, people don't realize when they are tense, when they're anxious, and all this stuff, it, it creates... Um, the, the word for it is an erotic holding pattern, but to make it simple is imagine you have um man, bro. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like the and analogy. Here, man, too relaxed and too imagine relaxed. imagine this, but imagine you got a cup of water. Hmm. Right? You got this cup of water. If you go to port, if the cup is perfect, if there's no cracks in it, if there's no bends, no nothing, it'll pour out perfectly. But if you've got, like, all these cracks in it, you've got these, like, weird, like, divots, bends, and you've got, like, stuff congealed inside of there, when you go to pour the water out, it might come out through this crack over here. It might be stuck on this ledge right here. And um, you're not really going to get that good water flow. And then you might get some water, and then some might come out, like, too much at once and not enough, like, little drips. So the whole point I'm trying to make here is that if you can relax, you essentially let your voice be at its natural depth, which is more deeper than what you, what it is right now. Usually when you wake up in the morning, you are most relaxed. And your voice, when you wake up in the morning, that's where your voice should actually be at. So if you wake up and your voice is pretty deep, well then say alhamdulillah and start mm. learning how to be chilled out. And you will notice your voice get deeper. Alhamdulillah, bro. Great answer. Yeah, Chainsaw Man Reading. Shout out to my guy, Fahad, my Bengali bro. Alhamdulillah. Shout out to Rami, Free Palestine. Amin. Amin, your Rab. By Neural Dark Rides, Fahad in Bengali. Bro, it's crazy that after 24 years of life, 50k subs in, we got someone who knows my ethnicity clearly better than me. SubhanAllah. <laughs> I'm just playing, bro. Come on, y'all know I'm Bengali. Okay, Chainsaw Man writes, I'm Hindu, but I keep coming to y'all's channel. Big fan of Bonho. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. I'm going to take your shahada, boy. <laughs> That's what it is, bro. I came to know about Islam from Anho. Anho's journey has been very beautiful. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. Maliki. What's good, bro? Walaikum alaikum assalam, Habibi. Keep up the good work on her. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. My man's Thank made you. so much progress, mashallah. Mashallah. Uh, yeah, GS writes, your honor is going philosophical today, man. Subhanallah. <laughs> <laughs> mashallah. <laughs> okay, last question today. I know this is not a live Q&A, but we don't want to take it too long. So inshallah. Brother Muhammad writes, how is weed really haram? Shrooms, what if it brings you closer to Allah? Shrooms <laughs> don't have the same effects of alcohol, and our brain has receptors for THC and for shrooms and the cannabis. Let me let me go into this before Rami jumps in because I feel Rami has something to say. Yeah, so bismillah. So the receptors that we have in our brain are called na na na. Anand, anandamine or something like that. I'm going to get back to that. I'm going to get back. There's a certain word for it. But it's a certain receptor that we have that receives the cannabinoid. Right? The cannabinoid. 
Now, this doesn't mean that it needs to be exogenous, which means it's external. Doesn't mean you have to smoke, doesn't mean you have to take drugs in order for you to anandamine. That's what it's called, anandamine. It doesn't mean you need to get this from an external source. It means that your body can actually produce this naturally. And when it produces mm -hmm. it naturally, it will have the same effect as if you smoked weed, as if you took a psychedelic. Right, so your question, like, oh, why is it haram? It's haram because you can you can release it naturally as it should be. And then it's even more so haram because when you do these things, it's actually what's known as fake spirituality, fake progress. Hmm. Because if you actually talk to a lot of spiritual people, even people outside of Islam, people who actually partake in these things, um, even the gurus in, in Hinduism, like they completely tell people to not take these things. Why? Because when you take these things, it's they call it like unearned wisdom, unearned knowledge, unearned experience. And for the most part, you do these things and what you experience is too much for you to handle. It's too much for you to handle. So what you end up getting is maybe like 1% of what you experience. And that 1%, you won't process it and fully comprehend and understand it until maybe like a year or two years later. Mm -hmm. How do I know this? Well, I'm not gonna, you know, go into details, but I do know this. I do. And and a lot of this is associated with a lot of trauma and other stuff that comes with the honored wisdom that you weren't ready for sometimes too, bro. Yeah. And subhanAllah, what you were talking about is is the exogenous cannabinoids like found in THC, C B D, bro. We really don't need these. You said we have receptors in our body. Yeah, but just like Brother Anhel said the natural endorphins that our body produces when we work out, when we have intimacy, when we feel high naturally, that's what those receptors are for, bro. Now you can put other stuff in those receptors, mm. but should you? Well, that's not well, for no, me to bro, decide. Um, you are correct in that, but what he's referring to is the like cannabinoid receptor. receptors. Yeah, it's mm. it's for anandamide. And it's a, it's a specific thing. It's not an endorphin, at least from what I know. It's not an endorphin. It's a specific thing that's released in um, certain states. You know, when you're in like a very like peaceful, like blissed out state, your body will release an endomine. Hmm. And that's like the same feeling as if you were, you know, you know smoking or, or doing a psychedelic. And the last thing I want to say is that um, there's this analogy which says... Um, when you have to ask God something, you have to ask Allah something, you there's this phone, right? And you pick up this phone and Allah gives you the answer and then you put the phone down because it's like you, you can only handle that answer, you can't handle anything else. You got your answer, you hang up the phone. That's it. There's no need to stay on the phone because you already got your answer. When you take uh, psychedelics or when you smoke weed, what ends up happening is like you pick up this phone, you get the answer you were looking for, but you can't put the phone down. The phone is stuck. So now you're receiving way more than you can handle, way more than you asked for. And this phone won't go down until the trip is over. And once the trip is over, you've already been um, overstimulated, overwhelmed. And that's why I said you only really take like maybe 1% of it. So it's like, why? If in a year, if, it, if you did, let's say you took psychedelics, you did it once, and then you waited a year, you only got 1% of that, right? Versus if you would have just... Prayed more, meditated more, self-reflected more, 
within that same year span, you probably would have made 10 times the progress. So instead of 1%, you probably would have been at like 10%, maybe 15%. You see what I'm saying? I agree, bro. And just like Brother Ali said, y'all should watch our gin series if you haven't. We fully dissected psychedelics, weed, all that stuff. But also, the, the advice that I'm going to give is the advice that Allah, the wisdom that Allah, the hikmah, and knowledge that Allah has sent in the Quran. When Allah clearly writes that, yes, there is benefit in things like alcohol. Like, bro, no one's denying this. Allah literally writes that although there is some benefit, there is little benefit in these things, these intoxicants, the harms far outweigh the benefits. And that's why these are haram. These are these are prohibited. It, we're not denying what you're saying that, yes, you know, you can get these you know, spiritual breakthroughs and you can have these ego debts. And we're not denying any of that. But is it worth it, bro? Is it better than doing it yourself naturally? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Now, I want to take a, a different approach, kind of just because you guys, honestly, mashallah, like I'm trying to encapsulate all the information I got, receptors, and I couldn't, subhanAllah, me. Uh, may Allah bless you guys immensely. So I'm not even going to go down that route. I'm going to get lost down there. So all I'm going to talk about is, is what I know, uh, which is, uh, Islamically speaking, when you say that it's not an intoxicant, intoxicant doesn't just mean alcohol. It doesn't just mean something you drink that is, uh, you know, basically like uh, alcohol or beer or anything like that. An intoxicant is anything that intoxicates your mind or puts some kind of burden on your ability to think, your perception, all that basic stuff, literally basic stuff. Uh, so if you're tripping like crazy because of something, then yeah, it's an intoxicant. So scholars do something called chaos, which is analogical deduction on that term intoxicant and they find that anything that intoxicates you or put, puts you in a state of intoxication whether it be weed or shrooms or whatever it is counts as intoxication counts as an intoxicant and means it's haram the same way alcohol is haram so you need to avoid it now you, have, you need to ask yourself a question are you trying to get into doing drugs because it's rational for you or are you trying to rationalize it because it's something that you do you have to be very careful with Asking yourself, am I doing what Allah allows me? Or am I trying to make allowed things that Allah made haram? Because it seems like, and I'm just taking a wild guess here. You're someone who has taken drugs or wants to take drugs. You know someone who has. And you're trying to rationalize why it makes sense to. But let me use the same argument back to you. We have a certain, guys specifically have a certain part of their body in a certain haram to penetrate area. That if they do, you know, it feels good. Does that mean that that's the point? That you should penetrate there, that you should get that feeling just because you have that kind of receptor there, just because you have that kind of no, it's actually very specifically, clearly haram in the Quran. That Allah specific, specifically addresses it and says this is haram. So again, you know, you can't come and use your own, you know, wisdom and rationality to try and mm. come to a conclusion because you, and this is actually ties in perfectly with what I was saying before, you can never figure it out. Practically speaking, you and me take every human in the world altogether. One, they're not going to agree. And two, even with all their best answers together, they're still going to fall short. So all we can do is submit to Allah, the all-knowledgeable, the all-wise, and listen to Him and obey the Messenger who reveals the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Clear cut, easy. Mm -hmm. Allah made, makes it easy for you. You just have to listen. There we go, bro. So Muhammad, bro, inshallah. Yeah, bro, let me, let me, let me Before, say this one, bro. No, 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 I got to finish it off, bro. Finish it off, bro, then. Yeah, so... Damn, let's see, you just broke my chain of thought. <laughs> 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 
Should I backtrack? Now go ahead and read it, bro. So, no, that is his question, bro. I was just going to say, like, you had three alternative viewpoints. But at the end of the day, most people that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, they already know deep down what they're doing is something that they shouldn't be doing, bro. You could lie to you, you know, you could lie to your, your friends, you could lie to us, but you can't really lie to yourself and you can't rely to Allah, bro. So at the end of the day, you know what's what. Take a take a look, take a reflection at your name, if that's really your name, bro. You have the name of, you know, the final prophet, the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who died for this ummah, bro, who, 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 who bled for this ummah and sacrificed and persevered through so much, bro. And at the end of the day, bro, these things that you're doing that bring you temporary joys and, and pleasures, bro, it's not worth it at the end of the day. Yeah, and remember, like, Allah gave us limited understanding, limited ability to understand. Why did he give us this limited ability to understand? So that we could reflect and we could comprehend his signs and his mercy and his love. Mm -hmm. And all of this, and his wrath as well. But if you would have given us the same understanding as his understanding, oh, bro, that would ruin everything. That would ruin everything. Then we would think of ourselves as God. Stuck for Allah. There, there are people, there are people who mm. think this way. I don't even think we're, I literally think we're not even made to be able to comprehend like a percent of what Allah knows. Like imagine that, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's fun a lot. And the, just kind of to give perspective to people, imagine a pie chart, right? A pie chart with three categories. The smallest category, it's really slim, are things that you know, you know. For example, you know there are cookies, you know there's a formula for cookies, and you know the formula for cookies. And you know that you know it. Imagine you didn't know the recipe for cookies. You know that you don't know it. There's imagine you didn't even know cookies existed. You didn't know they exist. You don't know that you don't even know because it's not it's not a thing to you to begin with, and you have no idea it even has a recipe because you don't know it exists. That's like 99% of this pie chart. Things you don't know exist, and so you don't even know that you don't know them. And to sit here with your 0.001% knowledge of everything that exists and to act, you know, as if you can be like, well, you know, we have receptors in our brain, therefore we should be able to do it. I mean, no hatred to you, my man. I'm in the same boat as you. I just, I'm willing to recognize it. You know, I'm stupid when it comes to this, this stuff. I can't decide myself, and neither can you. Yeah, well said, bro. Hmm. All right, I think we should end. I do, I do want to touch on the last point that the, our Hindu brother, Chainsaw Man, was writing. He wrote that, I've watched videos about Turkish mosques. Those are damn beautiful. I want to visit them. So visit them, bro, inshallah, you know. But he also writes, I want to follow religion. I want discipline, purpose in life. Life without religion is pointless. Life without religion is getting nihilistic. I'm getting lost. Come to Islam. Let's yeah. send him the link and bring him to, to accept his shahada right now, inshallah. Yes. Uh... Chainsaw Man, um... if, you're, if you're still there, bro, we invite you on. If you want to come, just chop it up real quick. Or if you don't want to, bro, DM me on Instagram. One word, Fayed Fit, F-A-I-Y-A-D-F-I-T. And I will respond, inshallah. You can get on a call with us privately if you don't want to come on. But if you do want to come on now, bro, you can come in audio only. Um, no pressure, though. So no, no like, agenda or anything. But if you want to ask us anything, if you want to talk, we're here for a little bit before Juma. 
which is our Friday Shout prayer. But aside from that, bro, I think we'll wrap it up. Inshallah. We'll wait about like another minute if he wants to come through. Thanks. Vladimir writes, I listen to music and get motivation to work out from Zyz or Zs. Zs. I remember Zs, bro. Am I sinful? Am I sinful? I don't know, bro. Allah knows this. Um, I can't really say anything on this, man. Muhammad, really can't. who uh, talked about weed, he writes, uh, how about CBD oil? Bro, I would consult a scholar, a sheikh, and ask. CB- CBD oil, I mean, again, consult a scholar, a sheikh, yeah. but there's no psychoactive compounds in CBD oil, so it's mm-hmm. mostly uh, medicinal. Which mm-hmm. at that point, like, I personally don't see anything wrong with it. But again, consult a shape because shape. you we're not we're not you know we're not qualified to give fatwa. Yeah. Which is which and is based on our yeah, and even then, like even weed in and of itself, like haram is case for case type thing. So if someone's like going through, let's say, a debilitating like cancer or something like that, where um a certain strand of cannabis would actually aid them in their healing and all that stuff. Like if it's deemed worthy by Sheikh and he, he deduces everything, like it, it would actually be permissible for this person. It's like mm-hmm. we're in the Quran, it says, um, don't eat pork. Right. But if you were in a situation where you were about to die, then it is, it would be haram for you not to eat the pork. So it's like, of course, it's a case-by-case uh, situation and you have to consult someone of knowledge. And that's what it is, bro. That's what yeah. it is. Omar asks or writes, all forms of drugs are haram, soft or hard drugs. Nah, bro, like Tylenol. It's, from what I know, it's not haram. Yeah. Prescription medications that you need, not haram, bro. It's there's, there's specific nuances in what classifies something as an intoxicant, as psychoactive, that makes it haram. There's a whole you know, Islamic science dedicated to understanding halal and haram, bro. So I don't think we could just write all drugs. Um, Binte Asim writes, also, where will your in-person podcast be held? Uh, it will be held at secret location number 69. This is something we can't actually, you know, tell you guys, but you guys will know where it is, inshallah. Uh, at least you'll see the inside of it. So think of it like that. Chainsaw Man responded. He writes, guys, it's night here. Thanks for responding to my comment. I will read English version of Quran first. Rami, what do you recommend to him for a good translation of the Quran? For an English translation, I recommend the clear Quran translated by Dr. Sheikh Mustafa Khattab. Alhamdulillah. And Brother Muhammad writes, really appreciate it. Jazakallah khair. Waalaikum, bro. It's, it's listen, we're, we're doing the least that we could do. And at the end of the day, we just want to leave you with something to just reflect on and just think about. And to just yeah. you know pray to Allah, pray istikhara, do some research, and inshallah make the rest of your life the best of your life. Don't make the same mistakes that a lot of brothers did. Yo, so I have a question mm-hmm. that I wanted to run by you guys. But I guess I'll run it on live too, just in case anyone on the stream lives in Canada and is in the area. But do any of you own like a, a manual transmission car? No. No. Do you do you know anyone that owns a manual transmission car? No. Dude, I'm trying to learn, man. <laughs> I've, I've I've driven it before. It's pretty fun. Yeah, no, I know how to drive like manual, like on a motorcycle, which you you understand like the whole gear shifting and and throttle control and all this stuff. 
So like, I, I guess that'll transfer over in terms of learning on the car, but like mm-hmm. I actually need to learn because if I'm driving overseas, bro, like I know most of the cars overseas are manual transmission. Yeah. There are people you can pay that offer lessons in their own car. Yeah. Yeah. You can find that, but, but bro, between me and you, it'll probably be hella pricey in Canada. So if you go to any other like country where it's, it's a little you know, offshore, cheaper, you might get the yeah. same experience for like a fraction of the price. Or if there's um, a brother that may live in the area, inshallah, if you're watching this, <laughs> can, uh, can direct me in the right direction, inshallah. Oh, we actually got a. One last uh, super chat. Famo TV writes, is spilling water and salt for protection shirk? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think that's baseless. That I, mean, I don't know if it's classified as shirk, but I think it's baseless that you spill water and salt. I don't, I've only seen this in like movies and all that stuff. I don't know if there's any Islamic basis for it, but ask a scholar, inshallah. Ask a scholar, yeah. If there's any authentic... See, the, the thing with, with most things we do in, in, in Islam... Everything is halal by default unless it's explicitly proven haram. However, things that are ibadah, acts of worship, things like, you know, for protection, these things, these should be explicitly from Quran and Sunnah. So if this is baseless, like what Rami is saying, it's just from TV or whims and desires or, or culture or anything like that. It's, it's baseless at the end of the day. We, we don't know if it's shirk, but does it eventually lead to kufr? Is it a bid'ah? You know, you got to ask yourself these questions. But is it shirk? I don't know. But that's assuming it's not from the religion, because I've never heard of this to be from Sunnah or anything like that. Yeah. yeah so I got a I got a question for you, Fayed. We should end it off with this question. When are you gonna grow your beard out? Mm, give me till inshallah, August twenty twenty two. Really? Yeah, bro. Inshallah. How long are you gonna grow it? How long am I going to grow it? Probably as long as I can, bro. Inshallah. Really? Yeah, bro. Why not? Only stunting rights. I have manual. It's very easy. You can learn in a few days if you can ride a motorcycle. Oh, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. My guy wrote, dang, haha, he put him on the spot. Bro, <laughs> get ready for that. When we get in-person podcasts, we're about to put each other on the spot like every two seconds. Rami's not even ready for that, bro. Then again, the vibe I, between I me and Anho are going to be different because this is the first time I'm meeting Anho as a Muslim. This yeah. is this is new territory for me, so you yeah. know, inshallah. We're I guess meeting each other again part. for the first time, bro. That's yeah, bro. Cute. And you're yeah. meeting Rami for the first time, though. Got me blushing. <laughs> yeah, Rami going blushing, bro. Right, guys, if you made it this far, smash that like button. Stay tuned for July first. Friday, July 1st, inshallah, in-person studio podcast. First episode drops, and you'll get weekly episodes, inshallah. Keep us in your du'as. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Rami, hand it off. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhaab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.